Mahalo for listening. <laughs> this is episode 159 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Eric Hangtan Walquist, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is my best buddy, the Big Kahuna himself. <laughs> uh, I'm Jesse Spammin' Eggs Wilson. There you go. Jesse, you are on the eve of a Hawaiian vacation, and I am so jealous. Hey. You should be jealous, right? I, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm fairly excited about it. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to the constant 84 degree weather. Although um, after five days, it has an uptick to 86. Uh oh, balmy. Uh, so yeah, and uh, going to the breweries and uh, eating sushi. Yep. Little and uh, going on a coffee tour. Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Yeah. I it am, occurs to me we've never had a Hawaiian listener write in. That's true. I don't know if we have any Hawaiian listeners. They have know. much well, better Well, I'll, I'll try and make a few. Yeah. Hand, hand out a business card <laughs> if we have <laughs> one. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Jess, you're going on your honeymoon tomorrow. I, I think you're probably really happy that uh, you have, you're podcasting tonight, so you can just pass some time until tomorrow arrives and you can fly to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. It's like being busy on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Just like... Uh, Get out of the way. Yeah. Keep yourself occupied. Exactly. I still have to pack. This is Occupy Jesse's brain. Uh-huh. It's like the Occupy Wall Street movement, but there's less bare feet. You know, I was actually just thinking today that they could make uh, a TV show or a movie that's like a little bit like being John Malkovich, but right. call it Occupy Wallquist. Oh, well, ooh. <laughs> It'd be exactly like John Malkovich? Uh, you know, I've never actually seen it. I'm, oh. I'm I'm presuming, but... Uh, yeah, basically, you just go in this little door, and then you go into John Malkovich's head, and then you get spit out on the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> Perfect. That's the movie. That's... Spoiler alert, by the way. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> so, Jesse, how was your week? Um, yeah, good. Went camping, as went you camping. know. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about... Because Jesse and I went camping this weekend with our wives and, uh, and Jesse's daughter... And let's talk a little bit about camping Sam's campfire, or as I like to call oh, it, yeah. not camping. Cold camping. Cold camping. Oh my god! So there's a burn ban going on, and I, you know, there's always there's a burn ban every summer, right? But every right. time there's there's been a burn ban, I go to the park to camp, and they and you can you can light a fire in a in a campfire circle because it's like very contained. It's it's surrounded by metal. It's usually the campsite's dirt. Like, there's nothing flammable around it. And campfires, frankly, don't... St- I mean, forest fires, frankly, don't usually start with campfires. It's usually like a cigarette or a car in a grassy field. So, mm-hmm. anyway, we arrive at the campsite. And, uh, actually, you arrived. <laughs> you arrived first. Yeah. So, what happened with the old people? What did they tell you? Well, there's a couple of old people who, I guess, are like camp hosts or something. Which is actually basically what I want to do once I retire. Mm-hmm. As I want to be one of the old people who basically live at the campground. Right. But, um, so they come by with like clipboard and stuff. And, uh, I was immediately thrown off because they had name tags and they had like some <laughs> weird like logo on the side of their truck. Right. Because I guess this was like, this is like a camp 
yeah. site that's like it's like U.S. Uh, or it's a yeah, forest. It's like a, yeah, it's a forest service campsite, but they like hire national forest. Yeah, they they contract out with this company to basically maintain their sites. Yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, it's never a good thing when you have to wear a name tag. No offense to anyone wearing a name tag right now, mm-hmm. but. Uh, so about. he was actually really polite and nice to me <laughs> at, uh, when he first came by and he was like, there's a burn ban. And I didn't, I actually didn't know. And he was like, yeah, I can't right. have any campfires or anything. He told me that, uh, earlier in the weekend, uh, the day, the day before a guy at a adjacent, um, campground had gotten a $1,000 fine from the sheriff's department. Yeah. And that's what happened. I show up just, he goes, yeah, there's a burn ban. We can't have any fire. Meanwhile, we brought five bundles of firewood. I know. I, there was, there's never been so much firewood. Right. We were like Salem circa 1680. <laughs> we had so much firewood. And Normally, I'm like – I'm normally like paranoid about using up all my firewood. I have to like ration it out. And yeah, stuff. exactly. And I didn't want that either. So we just – And this <laughs> was going to be the coup de gras <laughs> of, of fire. Yeah, exactly. Actually, probably a good thing there was a bird band. But, uh, uh, yeah, I show up and Jesse's like, yeah, we can't have fires. And I was like, well, how much is the fine? And he's like, $1,000. And I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty good fine. That's a preventative measure. That's a preventative measure. I mean, there are some people, I not me personally, I've never gotten a speeding ticket personally. Knock on wood. Really? Never in my life. Never been pulled over. Uh, really? Yeah. Huh. Over a decade of driving. Perfect driving wow. records, sir. Congratulations. Not a perfect parking record, but a perfect driving <laughs> record. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people see that as like basically they're just paying their dues to drive at the speed that they want to drive. Right. Like if you're going to pay 160 bucks every couple months to drive at whatever speed you want to drive at, that's just like your, that's your speed license. It's like, yeah. <laughs> let's pay my dues. I'll pay my, ro- my road rental and I'll speed however I want. Uh, so I was going to try to do that, but apparently, uh, yeah, campfire is a, a very serious offense in these parts. Yeah. So. I mean, starting a forest fire is a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. So great. Especially uh, right next to a national park. <laughs> Probably not a great idea, but to be uh, fair, it is a volcano. So to be fair, you know, the bird band is not going to do too much when Mount Rainier erupts. <laughs> That is true. At least that's what I would tell the officer. So basically, we did the only thing we could do. We sat around in the dark and got drunk uh, yeah. and then went to sleep. Mm-hmm. But uh, still. It was a good time. Yeah, I had a great time on the camping trip. We saved the day with your stove. Yeah, propane stoves, man. I think I'm sold. I bought one on the way home, actually. Well, why not? Um, so, Jesse, what are you drinking this week? Mm. Free beer from work, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you requested this, or you you endorsed this last week, and so I decided to pick it up. The LTD Lager Series from Full Sail Bohemian Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, dog. Good stuff. I enjoy it. I enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, I also Glad got like a, uh, for later, I got a little Goose Island Summertime. Never oh, had yeah? the Goose Island beers before out of New York. Don't really uh, drink a lot of East Coast beer, but. Um, I don't think they're out of New York. That's what it says in the bottle. What? I thought they were from, like, Chicago or something. Goose Island Beer Co. in Baldwinsville, New York. That's where all the, wow. the Baldwins came from. <laughs> uh, and apparently beer. But it's it's a good serviceable beer. I, actually, the summertime is my favorite. It's a really nice, refreshing, uh, refreshing light beer. So there you go. Uh, dedication this week. We are going to dedicate the show 
This week. See, this says headquarters, Chicago, Illinois, USA. Well, I don't know. It's just what it says in the bottle. I'm just reading the bottle. Well, maybe it's part of the whole because they're owned by Budweiser now. So oh, maybe they. Damn it! Damn it! Like, I wish I would have known that. That's what I found out that the uh, Blue Moon is like owned by like Coors. Did you? Like, yeah, Blue Moon, Shock Top, obviously. It, it should be. It's basically a giveaway if you see a TV ad. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so dedication this week. I'm going to dedicate this show to a couple guys who are up, who to, are no up to no good. good. Up in uh, the province of Alberta, Canada, the Hex 19 crew. You got Yuri. You got Aaron. You got Brett. And you've I said Aaron because it's, it's Aaron, <laughs> but Aaron has screwed me up. You got you got Yuri. You got Aaron. You got Brett. And you got Glenn. The Alberta boys uh, hope to see you all at PAX in a week and a half. And uh, and uh, if you want some geek stuff, dude, they keep up their site like nobody's business. It is Hex19.com. Uh, you can go there right now. They got a, uh, a Plants vs. Zombies 2 article. And they also have a, a playthrough of the uh, most recent Forza title, which actually looked pretty cool. So uh, Hex19, couldn't find nicer guys not named Jordy <laughs> Hoyt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to steal a couple of them away for a full six-player game of a Game of Thrones the board game. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that can happen. Not to mention, uh, they have weird accents, which I kind of forgot. But then I was watching the uh, the YouTube video of Yuri playing that game, and I was like, he says we- he says certain words weird because he's Canadian. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about the Canadian accent is it only comes out on like twelve words, but when you yeah. hear it, it really throws you off. Yeah, it'll be very interesting when they come down here to Washington and uh, have their funny accents. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so Jesse, um, we didn't get a ton of listener feedback this week. But, yeah, uh, we didn't really call for it either. We didn't call for it, and we also, you know, it's the lazy days of summer, guys. So uh, speaking of being lazy, let's just skip right to the little tiny Matt Roloff. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, he, I'd say he's an industrious guy, though. Who? Oh, I wasn't saying he's lazy. I'm saying we're lazy. Oh, okay. I mean, he built a roller coaster in his backyard for crying out loud. Man. I rolled a 16. I keep rolling off the table, and I've dropped my D20, and so I'm getting another one out of my bag, and I rolled a 13. <laughs> All right. So you go, Jesse. What is your first topic this week? Well, I, I'm going to start off with a new topic title that I call, well, this is going to piss off, Eric. <laughs> Excellent. Great. So um, it could also be classified under beer, I guess. Yeah, can't um, wait to hear it. So this is from the blog Brewbound.com, mm-hmm. and uh, the headline is Brew Talk Seattle, a city indifferent towards craft beer. What? So Brew Talks um, is some sort of, I don't know, I guess, discussion about the craft beer industry that uh-huh. uh, did like a trip from L.A. through Portland, Seattle. Uh-huh. Um to talk about the different beer cultures in the different cities. Right. And uh, so who participated in this? Let me find out real quick. I, it's It took place at the brewery Two Beers. Okay. Which, which is still kind of a young yeah, brewery. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's down in southern Seattle there. And uh, Joel Vanderbink, mm-hmm. the founder of Two Beers, uh, said, I, I would define Seattle as a city indifferent towards craft beer. They don't lean one way against it. They don't really do too much for craft beer. Oh, my Lord. Vanderbink joined uh, Ryan Hill- Hilliard, co-founder of Hilliard's Beer, what? and Kendall Jones, 
the uh, founder of Washington Beer Blog in a discussion about the cultural and civic institutions that help promote craft beer cultures in Seattle. Right. Uh, he uh, Jones passionately explained that Seattle is commonly viewed as very progressive, but that it's regressive in many ways outsiders don't consider. So uh, his quote here is, the problem is in Seattle, and you... Let's let's just take a step aside to. Mm. I mean, I, I think the listeners know how much of a Seattle homer you are. I am quite possibly one of the biggest Seattle homers. I plan. I think at this this to, point in your life, you consider yourself like your home is Seattle, eh? My home is Seattle, and I plan to live here. I am completely sincere in saying that I plan to live in Seattle until the day I die. I plan to live, have my home base in this city until I die. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay. Well, that's about as homer as it gets. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so according this to this guy, uh, the problem in Seattle, we are known for the Space Needle. Uh, there are people in this town that resent the fact that we are known for the C- Seahawks or Mariners. There are people who don't want Seattle known for anything. <laughs> That's BS. <laughs> and then uh, they referenced the recent excise tax that was uh, proposed that would have raised the tax by four times, which we've mm-hmm. uh, discussed on this oh, podcast Oh, yeah, but then before. what happened? A bunch of passionate craft beer people decided to step forward and made the governor repeal that? But, yeah. but, also, but, we're, but, we, are, but we are indifferent. We are indifferent people, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we, we're not involved. We're not involved and, in craft beer. Uh, bringing that up as a point um, kind of reinforces something, uh, reinforces something that irritates me. Mm-hmm. I'm a Washingtonian, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a Seattle guy. And mm-hmm. I hate when people lump all of Washington into Seattle. It's and you can't you can't blame like something that was proposed in the city of Olympia, which is the state capital, by lawmakers from all over the state of Washington on Seattle. That's true. That's absolutely true. Like, they're faulting Seattle for that. I, I find it really weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – I would say that that didn't come from Seattle. I would say that probably came from lawmakers outside of Seattle. Uh, I mean this a, it's just a numbers game, uh, and I, I'm sure I could back that up. <laughs> but yeah, also <laughs> Washington is an incredibly diverse state. Uh, you drive – like, you know, we drove uh, – I drove two hours from Seattle to go camping, and I might as well have been in a completely different place. I mean, right. you're basically in the dank, deep forest where uh, you – there's literally 55 miles between gas stations, and then there's nothing but forest in between. Like – and then you and then you go over the mountains, and then you basically have farm country. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. And then, yeah, that's not even a mention like Spokane. Yeah. Or Yakima, sh- Palm Springs of, of Washington. Yeah, or I, f- I feel like uh, Washington suffers from uh, a sort of identity crisis because mm-hmm. I think people nationwide know more about Seattle than about Washington as a whole. Oh, absolutely. And when people think of Washington, they think of Seattle first. I, I, what do you think are some other states that suffer from this? Maybe Massachusetts? Uh, people think Boston yeah, but that's, immediately. I think that that is warranted because Massachusetts is pretty small. I mean, <laughs> you're all basically within a couple hours of, of – I mean, that would be like if, if if Washington was like Seattle to Ellensburg. Like it would right. be a little bit different. Um, but it's actually really interesting that you bring this up because uh, there was a – I'm trying to find the article here and I think I'm just about here. But um, it was done by uh, businessinsider.com. They basically did this poll and they asked people to just – they would just ask people, what's the weirdest state? 
and then people give their answer. What's the nicest state or what's the smartest state or whatever. And the funniest thing about it is that there were basically like five states that everybody answered for each of these. So it's <laughs> basically like-, like five states on everyone's mind. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that there's the big ones that you could say, which is New York and California, Texas. Uh, but the other ones were, were more interesting to me. It was basically Mississippi and Minnesota. So, <laughs> so things like, uh, let's, let's see, which, which state has the worst food? Oh, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, not even really on the map. It was uh, Mississippi and Alaska tied for worst food. <laughs> Alaska? Which state is your favorite? Uh, oh, Minnesota. <laughs> California was, was top dog, but uh, Colorado was actually up there uh, tied with Florida and New York. Uh, Colorado is a sweet state. Colorado is a sweet state. Yeah. Also, uh, also Colorado tied with Hawaii. Um, Hawaii. Well, you know, I'll have a chance to test that theory out here real quick. <laughs> uh, what state is your fa- is your least favorite? Minnesota. <laughs> Texas won that one. Which state oh. is the craziest? California, number one. New York, number two. Texas, number three. Which <laughs> yeah. state has the hottest residents? California. <laughs> it's like well, basically there might be a point there. Yeah, that that's probably right, but. uh one that I thought was ridiculous was which state has the most beautiful scenery? And and Colorado definitely actually Minnesota. won this one. So I, Yeah, definitely Minnesota. But Colorado actually won this one. But one of the states that didn't get any votes at all, whereas Montana got votes, Utah got votes, uh, North Carolina got votes, Vermont got votes. One of the vote states that was completely blank here is Idaho. Idaho has amazing scenery. Nobody knows anything about Idaho. I don't know anything. I think – Idaho suffers from what Washington suffers from. You, th- you say Washington, people think Seattle. Right. But Idaho doesn't even have a city that jumps to mind. I think people well, either Boise. think the, the Blue Field. Right, Boise State. I mean, Boise is the the biggest city in Idaho. Or they think skinheads. Yeah, that's true. Coeur d'Alene. But by the way, Coeur d'Alene is like one of the most beautiful places <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest. Beautiful. You know, Idaho, I think, is one that gets really overlooked quite a bit. Um, uh, another – so – Let's get back to this oh, sorry. Uh, th- this article real quick. <laughs> Jesse, you completely were not right when you said this would piss me off or get me right. <laughs> I know. You tried to uh, you tried to get out of it by just talking about other states because <laughs> uh, it was making you so mad. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that uh, Seattle might suffer from some sort of, I guess, like self-loathing? Oh, absolutely. Because it's, it's absolutely obscene to think – to. Make a statement like, yeah, Seattleites aren't really into craft beer when the city of Seattle has been able to support (laughs) the craft beer revolution in a lot of big ways. I mean it's it's crazy to say something like that when all you have to do is look at the number of breweries. Like they're – you know, you sell your beer or you die as a brewery. Yeah, and you can go to Ballard, which is just a neighborhood, just a neighborhood here in Seattle, seven breweries in Ballard. Yeah. Not to mention, if you go within a mile of Ballard, there's like 12 breweries. So, so do you think this is some sort of like hipster, like, I, actually it's not that great kind of attitude? I don't mean to be a an elitist here, but uh, uh, this guy doesn't sound like a real Seattleite to me. You don't think so? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he does... He does work in South Seattle, which is technically, in my book, not real Seattle. <laughs> it's the South. 
I don't know, man. I really <laughs> like um, what do you call that district? What Georgetown? Yeah, Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown's got its charms, but come on. I mean, Ballard's <laughs> way better than Georgetown. It's got its uh, charms for what it they're is. They're both cool. Yeah. They're both cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I thought that would piss you off. Uh, I read that. I was like, oh, man, Eric would beat Steven. That statement's ridiculous. I mean, it is how can you say Seattle doesn't support craft breweries? When you go anywhere else in the country, you walk in, you go to the bar, and you are basically got all of your major national brands there sitting on tap. And maybe one, two, one or two craft beers, maybe if you're lucky, three. You go to any bar in Seattle, and it's the majority of them are craft breweries, most of them from either – Washington or Oregon. Oh God! You know, I also you, think it's you, a, you, it's you a shitty me. thing to say yeah. as a as a business owner yeah. who relies on the people of Seattle to support your business to right. say that it's that the city is indifferent. That'd be like your sports team. Like, actually, uh, like the Seahawks are great, but our fans kind of suck. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really need our fans that much. That would They're not be good a, fans. That'd be a perfect analogy. A team that has sold out every game since like two thousand three. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> Our fans aren't that great. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe this guy had like a bad day or maybe he's having some like bad business going on and he's blaming it on pe- on other people instead of himself. It could be. I don't, I don't know. know. It's just a weird thing. It bums me out, dude. I, like you are completely correct. That statement, that statement got me riled up. It just – it seems like there was a discussion uh, where everyone was agreeing with themselves too. Like mm. it would have been nice to have a dissenting argument injected in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of brewers in Seattle who'd be like, eh, you know, I think it's a pretty good craft beer city. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is the birthplace of two of the original craft breweries, Winmer Brothers, or, or not Winmer Brothers. Oh, what's, what's the one? Well, I know Red Hook. Pyramid? No, Red Hook. I was thinking, anyway. Were you thinking Thomas Kemper? Probably. Give me a great sarsaparilla. Thomas <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kemper's from Palsbo originally. Hey now, um, yeah. Well, that got me riled up. And Seattle's a great beer town. Well, bring that energy into your first topic. All right. Well, Jesse, uh, my first topic is going to be movies. <laughs> okay, Oprah. Uh, so, Jesse, this is a topic that this might get you riled up, but in a good way because uh, <laughs> this is, there, there was a pretty major announcement this week, and uh, I think you're going to be pretty excited about it. One of the least stealthy Civil War generals, by the way. Major announcement. <laughs> I guess he wasn't a general. But he was a major. Commanders. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was just a general announcement. He's a very <laughs> underwhelming ma- uh, general. Dang it. Ugh. Uh, okay, so, uh, Jesse, this announcement was made this week. I know you're going to be excited about full cast and plot revealed for... This Avengers. The Expendables 3. Ooh, ooh, okay. I, I told am you. actually excited. I told this you. This is my Avengers. It really is. So, Jesse, can you just explain your love for both Expendables 1 and Expendables 2? Well, Expendables, um, you know, <laughs> I don't even, maybe I didn't see Expendables 2. You said that you saw it and you thought it was better than the first one. Did I see both of them? I think see, so. See, this is... This is what's great about The Expendables, is you can watch them and not even know the difference between one and the other. Mm-hmm. It's just, some of my favorite movies are, you know, Predator, right. Aliens, mm-hmm. uh, Running Man, yep. uh, Commando. There you go. What was the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, lost his daughter and had to get her back? True Lies? Uh, no, but... Uh, no, <laughs> uh, what, uh, collateral a Damage? Lot, a lot of those. 
Anyway, any of those are great. I think that's I like love... 14 Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> yeah, that's basically – he made a career over yeah. losing his daughter. Yeah. Uh, Jingle All the Way? Yeah, I think uh, it was Jingle All the Way. But like late 80s, early 90s action movies are some of my favorite. Right. And basically Sylvester Stallone was just like, fuck it. Let's make another one of those movies and be totally shameless about it and right. have an all-star cast. Well, the – the big uh, to-do here was that Bruce Willis famously turned down being in this movie. Right. Um, they I were heard gonna... he wanted too much money or – Yeah, basically he uh, – well, he's been kind of a douche lately, at least he in public. He seems like he could be a douche. Yeah, like there was this, uh, there was this interview that surfaced, a uh, video of an interview that he was doing for Red 2. And uh, granted, the guy was not a good interviewer. But you know what? This is what you do as an actor. You do the acting. You go out. You do the press story. You promote the film. It makes money. Then you make money, and it, it works. It's just the, it's the system. Right. Bruce Willis sits there and basically just verbally berates this guy for like three minutes. How so? He just like is very uncooperative, gives one-word answers to all of his uh, questions, and then like personally insults him a couple of times just by saying like – like, he starts off the interview by saying, you know, I'm sure you have your questions and you probably thought about this a lot, but, like, this is not fun for us. Like, making the movies fun for us. Sitting here and talking to you is not fun for us. It was just okay. like... Well, it's part of your job. Exactly. Like, just being a douche. Like, for no reason. Like, there's no reason to be that guy. And, like, Kevin Smith has famously come out and said that he was really hard to work with on Cop Out. Right. Um... So anyway, he just hasn't been like hitting batting a thousand in the in the public eye lately, which is fine. I'm sure he has plenty of money. He could just retreat to his Idaho ranch and chill because nobody knows. <laughs> He's got the no, haircut for it. Yeah, nobody even thinks about Idaho, obviously. Uh, so uh, anyway, he he decided to turn it down. Apparently, he, they wanted him for four days of filming. They were going to pay him three million dollars, and uh, he said he wanted four million. And they were like. Okay, uh, we're actually in talks with someone else. Boom, got someone else, Harrison Ford. Oh, snap. Upgraded. Get off my plane. I really hope that this that line is in here. <laughs> so let me – they also got some really interesting other guys for this movie. So uh, here's the full, full cast list. Sylvester Stallone returns. Jason Statham returns as his right-hand man knife expert friend. Jet Li returns. <laughs> That's on his business card. It right is. head man, knife expert friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dolph Lindgren returns. Uh, Randy Couture returns. Terry Crews returns. Terry Crews, probably my favorite expendable. Uh, you may know him as the Old Spice guy. <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger coming back for a bigger role. Uh, the aforementioned Harrison Ford. And then these three, Jesse, which I hope you're excited about, Wesley Snipes. Oh, good! Coming back out of prison, straight out of straight, straight out of prison, straight out of C block for from for tax evasion. Coming out and doing the Expendables, getting back on the scene. Antonio Banderas. Oh, hello, hello, a Latin flair. Yeah, little puss in boots. And uh, and then finally, Jesse, I, I think you're going to be excited about this. Mel Gibson. Oh, oh my! <laughs> <laughs> the Australian anti-Semite himself is going to be gracing oh, the screen. Man, that's amazing! Isn't that? That's so good. I mean, he is—he's—he's he's right in that caliber of action stars. It's amazing oh, yeah. the l little turnaround in his career. It really is. I mean, you take the snapshot of uh, '80s to mid '90s Mel Gibson. Uh, there was a point where he was like the biggest star in Hollywood. Like, remember when he made like? What women want, 
And like that was <laughs> yeah. like a huge movie. It was a yeah. gigantic movie just because Mel Gibson was in it. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking the Lethal Weapon franchise. We're talking <laughs> Mad Max. Like, uh-huh. I really wish that they would have gotten Danny Glover. I know. That's what I was just thinking. They need Danny Glover. They need yeah. Carl Weathers. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, but I say pretty solid lineup. Totally solid. And that's what's great about the Expendables movies is they just they keep tacking people on. Yeah. Uh, and, and it makes sense, and, and they and they tack on the guys that make sense. The one guy that I really wish that they would get is is Nick Cage. Oh, Nick Cage would be great. I yeah. feel like he would do it. Yeah, and I feel like John Travolta could also do it. Yeah, I don't know. I I would rather have Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton would actually be really really good. It's like the wacky guy. Yeah, like re- reprise his role from Aliens. Or yeah, or Bill Paxton and Sigourney Weaver. Well, there you go. Well, we they need some ladies up in here. They are making the female Expendables. They're putting together that film. Really? Um, yeah. Where'd you hear that? Uh, slashfilm.com. Is that what it's going to be called? I don't think so. I'll probably okay. come up with a different name. But let me read you the plot synopsis. So this is The Expendables 3. In The Expendables 3, Barney, who's Stallone, Christmas, who is Statham, and the rest of the team come face-to-face with Conrad Stonebanks. Great name. <laughs> Played by Mel Gibson. Please. What a, what what ethnicity is he supposed to be? Con- Conrad Stonebanks. Apparently, Stonebanks? I, I think he's got it. That's a total British name. That's okay. a British name. Oh, for Conrad. Sure. I yeah. thought you were saying Comrade. No, Conrad. Like, enjoy the revolution, <laughs> yeah. Comrade. Comrade Stonebanks. He's a he's a British defector during the Cold War. Yeah, there you uh, go. Who years ago co-founded the Expendables with Barney. Stonebanks subsequently became a ruthless arms trader and someone who Barney will, was forced to kill, or so he thought. Stonebanks, <laughs> who eluded death once before, now is making it his mission to end the Expendables. But Barney has other plans. Barney decides that he has to fight old blood with new blood and brings in a new era of Expendables team members, recruiting individuals who are younger, faster, and more tech-savvy. The latest mm. mission becomes a clash of classic old school style versus high tech expertise in the Expendables' most personal battle yet. I love it. Who's going to be the new guy? Like Ryan Gosling? No, it's actually this guy Kellen Lutz. I think he was like one of the werewolves in Twilight or something. Oh, great! Uh, but then also, Vic- the also Victor from, um... Victor Ortiz, who uh, is like a boxer or a mar- mixed martial arts guy. Oh yeah, I know uh, of him. Yeah, Victor Ortiz. They- what about uh, that guy from the Mac commercials? The young well, one. Well, see, then that would just be a straight ripoff of Die Hard 4. But that's yes. actually what this reminded me of. And I really liked Die Hard 4. I thought Die Hard 4 was solid. I liked it too. That's exactly what it was. It was basically like we have these old action guys, but we don't really need them anymore because the Edward right. Snowdens of the world are doing their jobs for them. And we'll just Edward sit. Snowden in the role of a lifetime. Yeah. Ed- Expendables 4, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, and Bradley Manning. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's actually kind of what I wanted to move to, Jesse. And this is the – this was the – so that was the precursor to the topic. This is the actual topic. I want to make the geek spendables. <laughs> so if you're – if you think about the kings and queens of, ner- of, of nerddom – uh, if you were going to make the Geek Spendables, who would you want in the Geek Spendables? Okay. Uh, well, I think we should each pick a leader. Mm-hmm. 
Who who would each our leader be? And for okay. me, I'm going with an OG. Yep. Get that wisdom. Uh-huh. Uh from Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Oh god, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. leader. Uh, I heard, I read something recently um probably off of Reddit that uh in one of the original uh uh Star Trek scripts, he was supposed to subdue Captain Kirk by giving it, Oh, it was off of um uh, cracked actually. Okay. Um, like in the original script, he was supposed to just like clock, uh, uh, Kirk in the face and knock mm-hmm. him out. But mm-hmm. he, Nimoy was like, that doesn't seem like a Vulcan and invented the, uh, the nerve pinch <laughs> to knock him out. Yeah. Like d- defying the script because he actually had a better understanding of what a Vulcan would be like. And the nerve pinch is really resurrected nicely in Star Trek two into darkness. In the, yeah. in the fight between Spock and Khan. So that's a good one. Leonard Nimoy, that's great. I'm not going to fault that, but I definitely have a better leader than you. Mm. Acting experience on local Seattle television and now a national name. John Bill, McHale? Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh. <laughs> Bill Nye, Ooh, the science man. guy. That's true. Science is good, but I almost want like a – I want my science guy to be a specialist, not the leader. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll go Neil deGrasse Tyson. Cause I do want die on the squad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Neil is your leader. Yeah. Neil is our leader. I've had some kind of weird stuff with Neil in it where I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to hear like about he, that. He gets built up into this. Oh, he does. Hero, he's a but... great speaker. I mean, he's basically a great speaker and he's incredibly smart. He's not a great TV host. I'm just, I'm going <laughs> to say it. All right, fine. Um, all right, so we have our leaders. Now, just. So I need, I need a science. Let's do science guy next. Okay. Um, I want my science specialist, even though maybe he's not so great at science, but I want uh, the Adam from Mythbusters. He's a great science guy. That's a perfect one. Okay. And just for the rivalry, I want Jamie. Oh, the walrus himself. Yeah. Give me the walrus. Oh, my God. We've met in person. My team is crazy. (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, and Jamie. Jamie Hyman. You got got some real uh, mustache power. (laughs) Super mustache power. Okay, what's the next specialist we need? All right, now we need, like, the hip young guy. The gamer? Oh, the hip hip young guy, huh? Or gal. This is the guy or gal that gets butts in the seats. Mm. This is, like, the cool guy. All right, why don't you go first on this one? It's a little tough because I feel like there's a few that fit, fit the bill. I think Chris Hardwick would fit the bill, but unfortunately, I cannot stand his interview techniques. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to go with Felicia Day. Felicia Day, huh? Yeah. Well, um, I'm also going to choose a lady. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, mm-hmm. early celebrity guest on our podcast, Abby Happy. Abby Happy. I feel like Abby Happy gets. Could get uh, faces and seats. Absolutely, former as it were. former G four uh, reporter, editor, and current and uh, current spokesperson, uh, yeah, community for... manager for uh, for Respawn Entertainment, which is doing Titanfall. Mm-hmm. That's some heavy hitting stuff. Yeah, no mustache again. I'm I'm mustacheless. You are. Um, I guess I guess the question here is who's taking Will Wheaton? Yeah, you know, I actually thought he would be a leader position. Hmm. I don't Except like him in the leader position. I think I think you need somebody a little a little older and a little wiser. He made the cover of Beer Advocate magazine, by the way. Say what? Yeah, a picture of him. He's he's always on Reddit talking about homebrewing, and uh, th- it was a picture of him homebrewing wearing a Reddit 
uh, t-shirt on Beer Advocate. <laughs> yeah, that makes magazine. sense. Yeah. Well. Okay, so I, I have an idea here. Why don't we get our teams together? Let's do one more. Okay. We need a game designer. Game designer. Okay. Yeah. Like someone who someone yeah. who puts together like either programs or build games or something yeah. like that. Um gosh. Uh well, I mean I think Ken Levine is probably the, the best one here. Mm. Um but I think I'm gonna go with uh, with somebody who's a little less well known, but who's somebody who's near to, near and dear to my heart, that is Richard Launius, who designed the game Arkham Horror. Oh, yeah, and he's designed a, a lot of games since. But uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to pick Richard Launius. You can have you can have Ken Levine if you want. No, I'm going with uh, Stephen Jackson. Really? Not of Munchkin. <laughs> Of the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yeah. He could just beat up everyone on YouTube. Excellent. There you go. He's a playmaker. He is a playmaker. Okay. Uh, no mustache. No mustache. Uh, yeah. Either so- him or Klaus Toiber. <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh, no, no. You a Rosenberg of Agricola. That's who I'm actually. All, all right. There you go. You um, a Rosenberg of Agricola writing ri- on the back of Steve Jackson from the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> um, uh, so I. I think that I think we should we have some solid teams here. I think our teams should team up. They start as enemies, but then they have to team up against a greater evil. Someone who brings the monsters. Someone who brings the horror to this realm. Someone who brings realistic and crazy creatures into everyone's minds. None other than Mister Guillermo del Toro. Oh, as I thought you were master. going with Electronic Hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as the evil mastermind, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. I think, that I, like he's, I think he's like king. I think if I had to pick a king of the nerds, it would be Guillermo del Toro. King of the nerd villains. Yeah. I, I like it. So anyway, okay. that's that's the Geek Spendables. I think they're Geek Spendable. I, I, geeks, I don't think any one of them's expendable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move on to our trivia. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Trivia Nation here. We're going to do a little tiny Matt Roloff. Uh, see which category of Trivial Pursuit Genus 1 we're doing. Uh, last week we ended up redoing that Richard Nixon question, which I think we've asked like three times. John O'Brien decided to <laughs> tweet us and say, hey, you guys are idiots. You've done this question like so many times before. And we get it wrong every time too. So. friend of the show, uh, Mars, told me once that uh, he had listened to like an, a new episode and an old episode in the same day and it, we got the same question wrong and he wanted to like – Piece them all together and do a segment called What Have We Learned? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently nothing. (laughs) Apparently nothing. All right. Well, let's see if we can do it again. The category is science and nature. S&M, baby. Are you ready, Jesse? Here's your question. What invention – We just went camping and we just uh, talked about science. That's true. Uh, So we, we should get all of these incorrect. What invention does the principle of conservation of energy make possible? What invention, um, the conservation of energy, Yeah, the atomic bomb? I would assume it would be a lot of inventions. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I'm going to go with the rubber band. A perpetual motion machine. Yeah, that, if you make it in like space. That was a dumb question. Anyway. <laughs> dumb question, but it was a question nonetheless. Jesse, this one's for me. What kind of animals was Napoleon terrified of? Huh. I'm going to say dogs. I'm going to say Russians. 
Wait, <laughs> lions. <laughs> Russian lions? You're very close, Desi. It's cats. Uh, give it to me. I don't know. Yeah, uh, to give it to me. I get a half out. a half point for that one. Jury's still out. Uh, this one's for you, Jesse. What vegetable yields the most pounds of produce per acre? Potatoes. Huh, that's probably it. I'm gonna go with beets. The cabbage. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess potatoes aren't vegetables, huh? I like that. The that this says the cabbage is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the cabbage. Great Batman villain. I am the cabbage. The cabbage. Prepare to get crunched. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one's uh, for me. Uh, I need half a point to tie. Uh, what is the simplest <laughs> gem in chemical composition? I'm going to go with diamond. I was going to say diamond, too. I don't know. Uh, a ruby. Oh, it's a diamond. And I yeah, also it's pure like, carbon, eh? Yeah, and I also like that diamond is capitalized, like Neil Diamond. <laughs> when it began. Or Dustin Diamond. Eric won trivia. But Jesse won the mad roll off. What? Okay, what's your next topic? Okay, so um, again, I'm gonna I'm defying convention here, and I want to I want to start a new topic uh-huh. that I'm calling getting personal. Oh, getting personal. So um, it's an exciting time in my life. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, uh, I'm working as a brewer, and right. uh, I've learned a lot. But honestly, uh, for a variety of reasons, I feel like it's time to move on from my personal station. Uh huh. And uh, I have a couple of opportunities in front of me, and what? I thought that maybe we could discuss them, and yeah. uh, perhaps by the time I'm done with the segment, I'll be wiser and uh, on the on the path to success. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I got I got basically three things going on here. Cool. And uh, we'll talk about them, pros and cons, and uh, see where we go. So right. the first one is to move to Bend, Oregon. Right. You've never been to Bend, mm-mm, Eric. Mm-mm. You would love it. It's a cool town. Uh-huh. It's uh, let me let me do a little search here to see what the population is like. But it's home to a ton of breweries. It's like the best brewery city to live in. And it's like you know, if you want to be a movie star, move to L.A. Right. Right. So if you want to be a brewer, move to Bend, Minnesota. Oh, Bend. <laughs> Bend. Yeah, so it's a it's a real appealing thing. I think I could get a job there. Yeah, uh, the cost of living is lower than where I'm living at right now, which is wow. part of the reason why I need to leave Port Townsend. Right, because it's fucking expensive to live here. Yeah. So uh, let's see. There's population of seventy six thousand. So that's a pretty good sized mm. city. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of breweries. Pretty cool place. Yeah. I don't necessarily have anything lined up. Right there, but right. I I don't think it would be necessarily a big challenge for me to move uh, move there and find a job. Okay, and it gets hot in the summer and uh-huh. it snows in the winter. Yep, it's which I want. I'm getting sick of this Olympic Peninsula <laughs> rain forty shadow. to sixty degree constantly. Right. I mean, a good eighty percent of the year is between forty and sixty degrees. Yeah, absolutely. Eighty five, maybe even. And uh, yeah, and raining. Yeah. So that's option one. 
Option two is try to raise a bit of money um, uh-huh. through Kickstarter or personal investors or otherwise and stay in Port Townsend right. and open a craft distillery. Okay. Which I'm 100% confident that I can do. Okay. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, what's the third option? Well, okay. So the third option is there's a guy that uh, I know Uh who has recently bought a license, uh, a bar license in a town called Craig, Montana, which is half an hour outside of Helena, Montana. Okay. Which is where I would uh, move to. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he wants to be making and distributing lagers by next summer. And he has asked me to come on as his brewer. Wow. So this – Helena has a population of 28,000. Yep. Much smaller than Bend. Um, Not going to lie. I don't know that there's much going on in this town. But there's not really much going on in the town that I live in now. Yeah, but and it's basically a done deal if I want to do this. I just right. kind of have to say the word and um I I could go in as a partner and yeah. get this thing going. And 28,000 is about the size of Port Orchard, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a small town. Small town. It's not but a small town. I live small, in a small though. town. Not the town I live town. in right now has a population of 9,000. Yeah. So bigger than that. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. But Port Towns is beautiful. I do love it here. Well, I'm sure Montana is also beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I've driven through Helena. I've driven the Yellowstone National Park, and Montana's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little flatter, a little less trees, but uh, home to Glacier National Park. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I could spend my summers camping out in Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and you know, if I did have some sort of ownership, I could use my winters to travel well yeah and you're 12 hours from seattle you're also 12 hours from denver yeah by car which right. is a it's a it's a haul but it is drivable mm-hmm. um yeah okay what do you think i don't know i see i i always think i'm more of a safe guy I like yeah the safe I, none bet. of my options are safe right now. i feel like the montana is the safest well, the safest is me to stay doing what I'm doing right now. That's true. That's but true. that's not really what I want to do. That is true. Um, I, I think the safest does sound like Montana. And you'd be stepping right into a role that you've wanted for a while. Which is so, yeah, head being brewer. a head brewer. And, uh, and then the foundation's in place there. So the difference between that and opening your and, and starting your own investment and opening your own distillery in Port Townsend is really not all that different, except that the infrastructure is already in place right. in Montana. Bend sounds like the most fun, but it also <laughs> sounds like the most uh, – I don't know if it sounds like the most uncertain. I'd say it's the second – most uncertain. I think probably opening your own distillery is probably the most uncertain. Yeah, that that would be a big uh, journey into the unknown. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, if I had to choose which one, I would probably just go to Bend and see what happens. Uh-huh. But the downside of that, I think Bend... It's, it's interesting because I feel like the opening the distillery and the moving to Montana both have high upside... And uh, I, it's so tough. You got to look at upside and downside, right? 
Right. I mean, it's pros and cons kind of even out because you're going to be able to find as many pros as pros and cons as cons for each place. But upside, downside, uh, I think Bend has definitely the lowest upside, but it probably also has the lowest downside. Right. Uh, Bend is gorgeous. I mean, it'd be right. a great place to live. It'd be a right. great place to do something safe. It sounds like worst case scenario, you just have your same job that you have now, but at a brewery in Bend. That would be like worst case scenario. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that'd be a good worst case scenario. The worst right. case scenario is I'm overestimating my qualifications <laughs> and I can't actually find a job in Bend. Right. That well, would be the worst I case I would scenario. be a big fan of, of choosing before or getting a job before you move there. Yeah, if I were going to do that, I think I'd, I'd go down for like a week and yeah, shop around at all the breweries and talk yeah. to the brewers and really get something and Bend, Bend, solid. Bend also has a it's, – it's the safest bet, and it's got good upside. It's got low downside in my opinion. Uh, opening your own distillery, uh, that has really high upside but also has like probably the most downside pot right. potential. Going out of business. Right. Uh, and then there's similar downside, but there's less risk with the move to Montana. And there's right. also similar upside to opening your own distillery. So I don't know. It's, it's a really tough decision. It is a tough decision. I'm going to have a, I'm ha- gonna have a week to ruminate on right. it over in, uh, well, in the- Hawaii, yeah. as it were. But I'm, re- I'm getting ready to pull the trigger on something. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it it's exciting. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, you and I both are – for a long time we have – this is called getting personal. Yeah. For a long time we have been big talkers and low doers. <laughs> yeah. For quite a while. And yeah. I feel like we're finally entering the part of your life. And I think that this is really common for people who are in who are entering their late 20s is for them to kind of just start getting shit done. Yeah, the GSD period. Yeah, because it's, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of the time in your life where you, uh, you know, when I was working uh, at, at the PBS station doing documentary work, like my the producer that I worked for would tell me, you know, you you want to develop your voice, and it's really hard to know what your voice is when you're like 22 years old. Right. You think you know what your voice is, but you really don't. And like, it's just the type of thing. Yes, and yes, there are exceptions to this rule. I'm not saying everybody is this way. But at least for me, when I look back at my 22-year-old self, I am so much more confident in who I am right now. And I'm just it just makes me a happier person. It makes me think that I can do what I need to do to be happy. And I've already achieved things in my life that I've wanted to achieve. You know, I've wanted to move to Seattle and become a Seattleite. I've been able to do that. I've, been, I've wanted to work for a major company in Seattle. I've been able to do that. Uh, I've been able to kind of set my life here and now i feel the power to move forward and actually accomplish things it's it's no small token that like um you know the podcast kind of was one of the first things that we actually did (laughs) as two people um but it's also like this hp pubcraft love crawl like actually just doing it instead of just talking about it and dreaming it up like you know but actually just stepping and rolling up your sleeves and getting it done and have making it cool like i feel like we are at a time in our lives where we are empowered. We we are now self-empowered to, to make the decisions that we want. And it's an exciting right. time. It's really exciting. You're, uh, you created one of my favorite quotes, which is 90% of doing something is just doing it. Right. 90% of doing stuff is doing stuff. And I'm ready to start doing something and hopefully exactly. <laughs> fill in that extra 10% with skill yeah. and hard work yeah. and perseverance and everything. But just doing it. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like, and even in podcasting, like I feel like, you know, it just, in just us doing this podcast for the last three years, like when I get off this podcast and I'm like, yeah, that was kind of a dud. Like every (laughs) once in a while you just get, you're like, yeah, that was, that was kind of a throwaway episode. I listen back to it and I'm like, oh my God, we're, we're pretty good at this. Like even the ones that I think are not that great, they they pull off pretty nicely. This know? is why I think we should have a morning radio show. That's yeah. that is secretly <laughs> my dream job. It's oh, ra- morning radio host. I would love to be a radio host. That would be really fun. That's been yeah. one of my dream jobs for a long time. I mean, if I could have any job in the world, literally any job in the world, I would be the play by play announcer for the Seattle Mariners. I would be on the radio every single day. <laughs> <sighs> That's a dark ass dream. That's an amazing dream. So, <laughs> right now, I'm I'm leaning towards moving to Montana, man. I really mean mm. it. And um, All right. it could be really exciting. And, I mean, it, it, the future of the business would really rest on my right. shoulders, how I perform as a brewer. It's a lot of pressure, but I'm excited to... Uh, I'm excited to do it, and I'm confident in my ability to mm-hmm. execute it and create a good product and everything. Yeah, absolutely. You have that confidence. And also, Montana's a great market to be in because there really aren't that many breweries out there. Right. Um, when and, you go uh, to Montana, it's, it's basically like Bayern and there's a couple other ones. But they're, you know, it's, it's got the market is not tapped by any means. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is to make all our money in the summer because mm-hmm. the guy that I'm, I'm talking to, he's a big travel guy. His uh, his wife was like born in um, Puerto Rico uh-huh. or one of those places. Mm-hmm. No, uh, God, what's the other island? Uh, Dominican Republic? No. Haiti? Uh, anyway, so they go there every year and stuff. I was like, man, I really want to travel during the winter, like right. get out of town and I'd love to be able to go to Australia every every winter, honestly. Yeah, that would so. make a lot of sense. But, but yeah, that's freaking expensive. But, but I also, anyway, and I also hear people in Montana. You know, they they like really embrace beer culture, unlike unlike over here. Yeah, Seattle's not. I, I would say Seattle's indifferent. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you, dude. Uh, yeah. I do think Ben sounds like the most fun, though. But like I said, yeah, high Ben's upside. A sweet town. High upside in Montana. Yeah, I was also talking to uh, the president of the Seattle Distillers Guild, and mm-hmm. he was saying that the distilleries in Washington that are surviving are doing it by selling alcohol to Montana because <laughs> there aren't the distilleries there. And the taxes in Washington on spirits are super high, and yeah. that, that just doesn't exist in Montana. So maybe the plan should be to do this brewery in Montana and then uh, have a, a spinoff of a distillery. That sounds great. Yeah, so that would be exciting. Well, cool, man. Well, best of luck to you and cheers with whatever you choose. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, let's move on to my second topic this week. Uh, Second topic is going to be something I'm really excited about, and I hope that we get a hands-on at the upcoming Penny Arcade Expo. Oculus Um, Rift? It's not Oculus Rift, but Oculus Rift is my number one target for, for Penny Arcade. I think that there might be a good chance for us to get hands-on with this game there because there's been a little bit of a lead-up to it over the last few conferences, uh, including Gamescom this week uh, in Germany. Um, And it is being made by a local company here from Seattle. So I feel like there might be some cool stuff uh, going on there. Um, And Jesse, geez, you are so lucky 
You get to you get to go on a Hawaiian vacation, come back, and then go straight to PAX. I know. What's great is, I mean, PAX is my weekend of the year. Right. It's Christmas. And yeah, it's Christmas, Fourth of July, and the Tet Offensive right. wrapped up in the one <laughs> God, weekend. God. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was that was some sort of weird Full Metal Jacket goof I just made there. Uh, for, the sad thing is that uh, for a second there, I thought the Tet Offensive was like a Star Wars thing. <laughs> That's the Fet Offensive. <laughs> it's also very offensive. All right, to go for it. Yeah. But, you know, so, you know, like eight weeks prior, you start getting the PAX jitters, you know? Oh, yeah. Because you're so excited yeah. for it. But I haven't gotten those at all yeah. because I got this Hawaiian vacation. Like, that's yeah. what I've been looking forward to. Yeah. And then it just so happens that I get back to Thursday. Totally coincidentally, <laughs> by, by, by the way, my mom had, like, some sort of sixth sense on that one. Right. Because she bought the plane tickets. So coming yeah. back that Thursday, going to PAX on Friday. And it's no PAX jitters. Very excited. Jeez, oh, man. It is going to be an insane, insane weekend. I'm so excited. Gino and Aaron coming over. Jim and Aaron to uh, to the listeners, but uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Definitely, I really, really, really want to do a six player yeah. uh, Game of Thrones game. Right. So that's going to require a couple of Hex Nineteen guys to pitch in. That's true. Save it for the save it for the uh, for the recos. Uh, okay. And then also, you know, just the HP Pubcraft Love Crawl, which, which has been on my mind like crazy lately. I got all the bracelets. Like I'm, I'm putting together all the rules. I printed out posters, so we have posters. Uh, nice. Which will be really cool. Did you print out coasters? I did not. I do have. Uh, I did not. Oh, that's how we could have made our money is selling pint classes. Yeah. Well, well, we'll figure it out next year. This is the pilot this is, run. Yeah. But and uh, this is your project. It is my. Pro- but and then I also. I don't bought know a, why I'm saying our money I, on your project. <laughs> I also bought a megaphone. I know. Yeah. So uh, you, I when you told me that I. I had like a Blues Brothers flashback. I was like, "You traded the Blues Mobile for this? No, I traded the Blues Mobile for a megaphone." All right. <laughs> oh god. Um. Anyway, so uh, that's enough lead up. I think the game that I'm talking about is Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare, which is a third person uh, shooter set in the Plants vs Zombies universe. Um, the Plants vs. Zombies has been making the news lately. I actually got into Plants vs. Zombies pretty late in the game. Early summer was when I started when I played Plants vs. Zombies for the first time. Um, I've never played it. It is. I would recommend getting it for your iOS device uh, for the plane ride because no, I guess it wasn't early summer because I I played this on the plane ride to my honeymoon and back, and it passed the time so fast. Because uh, each game takes anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes, but it goes by really fast and your brain's engaged the entire time. So you play like mm-hmm. six games, which is very easy to do because it's a very addictive game, and two hours have passed. So anyway, I, w- I would really recommend you download this for the plane trip. Um, but uh, And it's probably also available for your Kindle. Um, but uh, anyway, Plants vs. Zombies. Loved it. Then this week, Plants vs. Zombies 2 dropped. There's, there is a difference, though, between then, between the original Plants vs. Zombies and now, PopCap Games, which is a Seattle company, got bought by EA. So, Uh-oh. Yeah. So, Plants vs. Zombies 2, as opposed to being $2, I think, is what Plants vs. Zombies is, it's free to play. 
But you have to pay to unlock the plants in the in the game. Uh, basically, all the plants you know and love from the first Plants vs. Zombies, you have to pay real money to buy them. How much? Like, how many plants are there going to be? Well, there there's usually, I don't know, I'd say probably 40 plants in a game. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of plants. But are you going to have to pay for each of them? No, no, no. There's, there's plants that unlock automatically, but basically there are a lot of plants that you have to buy using coins, in-app purchases. Um which I don't get, man. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I I don't like – I would much rather pay – I would pay easily pay $5 for this game. I'd easily pay honestly like 7 to $8 for this game because I, I tore through Plants vs. Zombies. It is a great game. It's a really, really fun game to play. And I would pay – I would pay for it. No problem. But like people have been saying in these – in the negative reviews that they pl- they plan on this game, pun intended uh, – they they've been saying that like you would have to spend upwards of twenty five dollars to unlock everything. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a, for an iOS iOS game. game. And also, uh, there's there's some kind of tomfoolery happening because if you go onto this was actually uncovered on Reddit today with the with the Reddit investigates uh, crew. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't know that was the thing. That's what I just call it when Reddit investigates things. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, oh, what's it, like Jesse Jones and the... Yeah, uh, and the King 5 Investigators. Is that what yeah. they called? Yeah. I, I call it uh, Law & Order RI, Reddit Investigation. <laughs> there you go. Uh, gung, gung. Bum, bum. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so somebody covered this today that, like, if you go to Plants vs. Zombies, it's got over... Plants vs. Zombies 2 has over 60,000 ratings and reviews. Uh, it's got an average rating of four and a half, but if you go through the ratings, it's really hard to find a rating that is above one. So, how does it have four and a half then? Well, it, there's speculation that EA flooded the ratings. Uh oh. Yeah. Reddit investigates tonight at eleven. Bum, bum. Um. So anyway, it's just like some shady stuff going on. Like, don't take something that great and just really destroy it. Like, uh, ugh, I don't know. Like Mass Effect 2? <laughs> I, I mean, as I said before, I seriously, like, I don't buy EA stuff anymore. Yeah. If it has, EA is a stamp death. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about how the title is or the fun mm. of the game or anything. They take a game and they see it as a money-making opportunity. And that's it. Right. And, um... They really, I mean, they don't care. They're a business that's running around making money, which, fair. Fine. Go. Go, go ahead and do that. Yep. But their products that they put out are consistently bad. And don't alienate your... And I your, refuse to buy them. Don't alienate your customer base. It's not that hard, guys. Listen to your customers. Give them what they want. That's well, how the business USA works. Well, the USA is... I would call it indifferent on gaming. <laughs> yeah, Reddit, really indifferent on gaming. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Plants vs. Zombies, and plus the the graphics. I, I know that they're more formatted for the iPad, but on an iPhone, they look a little. They actually look cheesier than the first game. Mm. I don't know. I, I put up a stink. I still play the hell. Out, I still played the hell out of this game. And if you don't make any of the in-app purchases, basically you're just playing on hard mode. So it's more of a challenge. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Plants vs. Zombies two came out, but then the big game that they announced at E three is Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, which is going to be a release on Xbox and Xbox One. Um, it's going to be an Xbox slash Xbox One exclusive uh, to begin with, and it'll eventually roll off into the other consoles. 
Um, so at E3, they announced what it was. They showed they showed some gameplay from the plant's perspective. You could play as the cactus. You could play as the sunflower. You could play as uh, – what else? Uh, there's like the punch and onion. And then basically you'd plant turrets, which were, <laughs> which were other plants, and then you'd like fight the zombies. But at Gamescom in Germany this week, they announced the zombie side. So you actually get to play as the zombies too, and there are different classes of zombies. There's a scientist. There's an engineer. There's soldiers. Um, so I, I, in looking at this and looking at the gameplay and looking at all they've done, I'm actually really excited for this game. And I'm excited that it might open up a genre. Um, and that's basically what I'm calling the cart shooter. Because it's basically taking the idea of like a Mario Kart, which is taking Mario and the world of Mario and just throwing it into a racing game. Uh, but this is basically taking the world of a video game and throwing it into a, a, a shooter, which I personally would like to see more of. I, I like shooters that are more fun. That's what that's what makes uh, Team Fortress 2 so endearing. So um, I would be ex- very excited if they if they have this game at, at PAX. Um, and uh, it's something I'm looking forward to. I, I, one of the things, like, I think it'd be cool to have, like, a Mario shooter. <laughs> where, like, Mario runs around and, and you're playing against, like, you play either play as, like, Mario, Luigi, Toad, but then you're fighting against Wario and Bowser and, like, Goombas and stuff. You can play as a Goomba. And you all have, like, goofy guns instead of, like, you know, super powerful sniper rifles or whatever. You'd still have your sniper, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I think it'd be I think it'd be kind of a cool thing, and that's that's why I'm kind of rooting for this game because I would like to see more games in this genre. You want to see more shooters? I want to see more fun shooters. I feel like we have so uh, many shooter clones. Yeah, the military shooters, right? As it were, it's it blows my mind that anybody like okay, Battlefield, Call of Duty. Well, you have two Call of Duties. You have Modern Warfare, and then you have Black Ops. And then you have – oh, and I guess Call of Duty Ghosts now. And then you have uh, you know, Counter-Strike and you have uh, – it, it's basically just all these clones of, of military shooters. And then you have your sci-fi shooter in Halo, which is all well and good. Uh, but that's kind of run its course. But people want fun in games. I think that's why uh, Borderlands was so big. Like people just want to have fun in games. So make shooters mm, more fun. I, I, I disagree with you. I If I'm going to okay. play shooter, I like it to be like hyper-realistic. I like it where like – I don't like it when you're a bullet sponge and you have to like throw out a bunch of shots and you're firing a mini cannon that's all cartoony and they're flying off in all sorts of different directions. I like it where <laughs> like it's you know one bullet, one kill kind of thing. Okay. Well, that's fine. Because I fine. like the skill in it. I'm I don't know. If I'm going to play a shooter, I want it to be, like, shooting. Well, I, I think, don't want it to be, like, cartoony. I think that you and I are different shooter players, definitely. <laughs> well, that's because I'm good. Exactly. You're good. And, I'm like, when I sit down and I have a video game experience, I basically, especially if it's a multiplayer experience, I want to have an experience that's, like, super fun. Uh, and... I have I have super fun from those though. Right. I mean, there's nothing like the rush of a game that's like super precise, and you know, if you take one shot, it could be the death of you, and you end up like killing five guys in a row because you've you played your hand really well and made right. all of your shots super precisely and done everything just right to be right. able to survive and also put yourself in an advantageous position. That's the type of endorphin rush that like takes me a while to come down from. Well, that's And that's totally fine. I'm not faulting you for that. I'm just saying like more of a party. Like when I go to a game 
nowadays when I turn on my Xbox, I'm either playing a sports game or like I want to get into uh, a f- like a party escapist world. Like I, I just get stressed out in shooters, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm kind of excited for the prospect of a shooter or I won't get so stressed out. And like when we go to, it's weird. Like one of the only games we consistently play at PAX in the land room is Team Fortress Two, which I don't love. Yeah, and I I don't play that game. I I own that game, but I don't play it by myself. And I I never play it with you guys outside of PAX. But when we go to PAX, that's like the game that we play. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I think Team Fortress Two kind of opened the door. But it'd be interesting to see if there's some other stuff, like I say, maybe a Mario shooter coming out or something <laughs> like that. I don't think they gotta make a Mario shooter. But if they make it goofy enough, they can make it like a Super Mario Sunshine shooter where everybody has water guns. Yeah, I feel like Nintendo's just so conservative, they're not even going to do that. Water guns. Water gun <laughs> peripheral for your Wii U. There you go. Just get that Wii U soaking wet. <laughs> another one that, uh, another thing that came out is that Battlefield, uh, or sorry, Star Wars Battlefront, which has been uh, done by DICE, uh, overseen EA. by EA, yeah. Um, they were so basically strange. talking about, like, seeing a, they were talking about, Making the Star Wars video game universe more diverse and and opening up new worlds, and I was like, they're like, you know, basically what uh, Batman did, what they did with uh, with Arkham Asylum with with Batman, like really, really opening up uh, new possibilities. But really, Arkham Asylum, I feel like, also opened up the opened up the door for uh, the Injustice Gods Among Us video game, which is a fighting video game set in the DC universe. And they've done that before. They had Mortal Kombat versus DC, but that didn't really fly that well. And they just like... If DC versus Capcom, which was big. Yeah. Or was it Marvel versus... Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, yeah Marvel versus Capcom and Mortal Kombat versus DC. Um, but, uh, but yeah, dude, give me Star Wars fighting game. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Let's throw shit at the wall. But it's EA, so they'll be like... The kids love the Gungans. We're going to make it mostly Gungan-oriented, and then it's pay to unlock anyone other than Jar Jar. Um, Jesse, I think I would pay to, be, to beat up Jar Jar in a game. I think, uh, I, I think I would pay for that. I feel like that's a Pyrrhic victory. If I, everyone's a loser in that situation. If I could, if I could uh, pistol whip... <laughs> pistol whip Jar Jar. Blaster whip. Yeah, blaster whip him as as Boba Fett. I think I, I would probably get some joy out of that. That would be worth my 99 cents, I think. Yeah, but unlock, they'll make it fifty nine ninety nine To unlock Boba Fett? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> unlock Luke Skywalker, $100. Uh, unlock his hand, another 100 <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, man, seriously, though, like, EA is a stamp of death as far as I'm concerned. They are. They they got the uh, they got the track record of really killing some shit. They're literally like killing their own franchise in the NCAA football franchise. We don't need to get into that, but the way that that's unraveling is really interesting to me as well. Really, I haven't heard about this. Oh, NCAA pulled out. You can't have NCAA in the game anymore. Oh, um, like the words NCAA or the logo. So now EA has to negotiate individually with every school to get them in the game. Um, and they could have done this, you know, conference by conference, but then the SEC pulled out, <laughs> which is arguably the most uh, oh, yeah. the most desired conference. That you can't have an NCAA football game without the SEC in it. And Why'd they pull out? Because they don't. Uh, I don't know. 
they they just didn't like the contract structure or something, and they weren't interested, or that it, it wasn't worth it to them. So now, in order to get the SEC schools in there, they have to negotiate individually with each SEC school in order to get their license in the game. <laughs> that's a nightmare. Yay. Uh, anyway. Uh, so uh, I think that's enough for this week. Um, uh, we're going to get to the Facebook roundup, but before we do, we're talking about the Bald Move Network. Uh, because show is up. Guess what, guys? Breaking Bad's back. Which means for break now. Which means Breaking Good is back. Get your final season fix. Breaking Good podcast. Do it today. Yeah, it's almost done, eh? Well, it's good. They got a. I think they still. They're in like episode two or three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then of course, up yours downstairs. So go to baldmove.com. Get all your podcast needs filled at baldmove.com. And you can always get in touch with us as well, guys. Uh, you can uh, write us an email, personalarrogance at gmail.com. You can uh, give us a call, leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. You can uh, go to our Twitter, at Personal Podcast. Uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. And we are on Facebook. There is the Personal Arrogance Facebook page and the Bald Move Facebook page. Like them both, follow them both, get all of your updates on both. Uh, and uh, if you like what we do, rate review us on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. And also, tell a friend. That is a great way to spread the virus that is personal arrogance throughout the interweb space in your brains. <laughs> you done? I'm done. Okay, Facebook roundup. Each week, uh, sometimes we do it 15 minutes before the podcast, but each week we do post a thread on Facebook. Ask us what you want us to talk about. Um, this time we posted it 15 minutes before, and we're like, oh, crap, we're not going to get anything. And yeah, only eight people said hi. So we want to thank our listeners because they're very attentive on Facebook and we love talking to you guys. Uh, Rob Zip says, you guys should talk about how much the Sounders overpaid Dempsey and how fun it was to watch them get their ass beat down by Houston on Saturday. Hmm. A couple things about this. First of all, first game with the, t- with the club. Second of all, that it sounds like a jealousy statement because Patrick Dempsey, Patrick Dempsey, Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know De- Patrick Dempsey was. Yeah, I didn't know. Team. I didn't know he was either. He's actually over at Seattle Gray Hospital. He bought Tully's uh, yeah. and uh, bought himself a position on the Sounders. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Clint Dempsey uh, is the best American soccer player. So uh, you know the Heat lost their first uh, championship with LeBron James, and then they won the next two. Get off my back. Um, oh. Anyway. Uh, Josh Perigo from Maine says, I just watched a show on Netflix about dogs and selective breeding. Did you know a Russian scientist developed a breed of bomb-sniffing dogs from jackals that the airline he works for actually owns the rights to the breed? I found it fascinating. It brings up lots of questions. It does if the Supreme Court said that you couldn't, uh, you couldn't actually patent a, uh, a gene. So mm. in the United States, that dog is free reign. <laughs> uh, so come to the U.S. I think that's a straight-up trade for Snowden. <laughs> Just drop us the Whoa. bomb uh, Anyway, J.M. Baxter says, worst commercial on TV today? It's kind of a tough question. Yeah, I hate to be that guy, but I really don't watch I TV. I don't have it. The problem is- I, I don't mean that in like an I'm better than you kind of way. I probably would if I had more money, but I don't, so. Well... I mean, the other thing is, like, I, I just watch, like, basically Netflix. I've been binge-watching uh, old seasons of Mad Men lately. Um, really, the only time I watch television is, like, in the morning uh, on 
because I, I, sometimes I turn on the TV while I'm like getting ready for work, and the problem is, is like the Today Show or any morning show is li- literally fifty percent commercials. Yeah. One that I saw this morning that really bothered me though is that Chevy commercial, the Chevy year-end event commercial. Because, like, this guy is dreaming, uh, and there's all these people running into the building, and they're all saying, like, I want that one. That one's mine. That one's mine. And they're, like, fighting over them. And, like, if you want to sell cars, probably don't want to say that that's the environment in one of your stores. Because, <laughs> like, if I'm going to buy a car, I don't want to have to go in and wrestle some dude for it. Well, I mean, everyone loves Black Friday, right? That's so. true. I want to get tasered over an iPad. Maybe that is what people want. Maybe. The American consumer wants <laughs> some sort of neo-gladiatorial consumer-based environment. There you go. Buy, buy a Chevy. You will get tasered. Uh, <laughs> Mike Wazowski, Hasina, says being inexplicably intrigued by the show Breaking Amish and deciding on <laughs> and dedicating an hour every week to watch it. Worse than a punch in the face. Is this the one where it's like the weird reenactments that are obviously fake? No, that's Amish Mafia, dude. Oh, sorry. What is Breaking Amish? Uh, Breaking Amish. Uh, it's a show on TLC. and Oh, so you're learning something. Yeah, the, the, the learning channel, or as I like to call it, uh, the, the, the anti-learning channel. They basically Good turn stuff. into... I know, right? Good joke. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so the cast, basically the cast moves to New York and they go on the Rumspringa. Oh no, that's a good one. Yeah. That's the good one. Okay. And it's got that like kind of hot blonde girl, right? Hey man, Amish are sexy. Some of them are. Yeah. And the guy that got all the tattoos and stuff right away. Oh. Yeah. No, that one's surprisingly good. All right. So I guess it's not worse than a punch in the face. I'm with Mike on this one. Also, I believe the uh, I believe the new one is it's breaking Amish Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So they're turning it into some sort of Jersey Shore thing, probably. Well, but at like least the, the first one. season was actually good. I want breaking Amish Seattle. Because they, yeah, well, Seattle's uh, I would say is indifferent on the Amish. <laughs> probably. Uh, uh, Christian William Maurer says, just to answer a question from a few weeks ago, D twenty three. The Disney Fan Club stands for Disney in 1923, the year Walt and his brother Roy founded the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio. Bam. Facted. Facted. Just got facted. And then finally, John, Jonathan Drozd says cheese. Jesse, your thoughts? I'm a goat cheese guy. You like the goats? I love goat cheese. I uh, would never buy Velveeta, but every time I eat it at a party... It oh, is my no, favorite you're, thing. You're kidding. Dude, cheese spread That's is disgusting. Cheese spread is delicious. Oh, you're ki- uh, Okay, podcast over. Let's wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> All right, Jesse, what's your first reco? Um, my first recommendation is a little board game called A Game of Thrones, the board game. Pretty good board game. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to playing it to completion with six players. I feel like it's a type of game that is, it was designed for six players. Yeah. It's really like the game you have to play with six players. Uh, I don't know if you have to, but if you play it with four players, there definitely has to be a three-way alliance against House Baratheon from the get-go. It's tough, dude, because you're playing Greyjoy. You basically have to fight your way out, which makes it really hard to make allies. Yeah, just swing down around, take Highgarden, and uh, focus on Dorne and stuff. 
I guess. Just don't piss off Lannister. You gotta work <laughs> Lannister and Stark together against Baratheon from turn one if in a four player game. Yeah. But it, I'm excited. I'm really, really jazzed up for a six player game during PAX. It's gonna be yeah, so fun. It's gonna be good. Another idea is to play two player, but each player plays three houses. Yeah, they. Uh, is, I mean, there's not even rules for two players. I mean, the game is built around like fragile alliances, so yeah. you're not gonna make an alliance with <laughs> two players. Yeah, my this house makes an alliance with that house, but not that house. You could do three players with two houses each, maybe. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, pretty good game. Pick it up. It's it's worth it. Uh, my first record this week is going to be a movie. It's called Warm Bodies. Uh, I rented this on Amazon. It is worth the rental. It's one of those movies that, like, if I saw it in the theater, I'd be pretty underwhelmed. But, like, totally worth the rental. Totally worth, like, a weeknight rental. It's about zombies and love. And uh, it actually it gets pulled off pretty well. I, I enjoyed it. And it's got John Malkovich in it. So get off my back. There you go. Uh, Jesse, what's your psycho? My psycho-mendation is I won't be picking up Plants vs. Zombies for the plane. Okay. Uh, What I did pick up is uh, Magic the Gathering Duels of the Plane of Planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Which is the M14 um, edition for the Kindle. And uh, it's it's really nice. They, it gives you like a free version to check out first yep, and play, play around with, and then mm-hmm. it's it's ten boners to unlock. But I paid yeah. for it. Yep, and it has like the campaign and all these decks and everything. Yep. But it also includes one sealed tournament, which I'm pretty excited for. Oh, cool! It's like a, you can build like a draft deck and play with. Wow. It. Yeah. Yeah, I had the M13 version, and it was it's a sweet game. It is worth the dough. You will get your money's worth out of that game. Yeah. Um, and anything get, to keep me occupied on the plane. Did you get a free card too? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Because like uh, with the M13 version, when you bought it, you got a Garrick Wild Speaker that you just entered a code and they would mail it to you. I don't think I got that. Damn it! All right. Wigwam. Wigwam. And then my recommendation this week is go camping, guys. The winter is coming. Winter is coming. And uh, and camping is uh, – the camping season is coming to a close. But get out there while you can because it is a fun time. And mm-hmm. uh, go with your friends. The small folks say a long summer is followed by an even longer winter. There you go. Uh, so I think that's it for this week, guys. Uh, thanks so much. Keep in touch. Next week we're going to have a very special edition – of the Personal Arrogance Podcast. <laughs> It'll be especially special for me. Exactly. So uh, stay tuned for that. And until next time, wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant.